The intense pounding in my head suddenly woke me. As I struggled to open my eyes, which were resisting my brain's direction to open due to the shine of the bright morning sunrise light piercing the room, I realized that I was experiencing, up to this point in my life, the most intense hangover ever. My entire body ached, and as my eyes slowly opened and explored the slow spinning room, I quickly realized that my surroundings were far beyond unfamiliar. I squinted my eyes to the crippling blindness of the lights shine through the uncurtained window and tried to access my memory of the night prior and how I ended up in these unrecognizable surroundings. Just as I began to play back the hazy night, a sudden shuffle pushed against my body. I gasped as I turned to my right. There was an unidentified naked man next to me, rolling over in his seemingly continued deep sleep. Oh my God, what happened last night? I quietly scooted my body away from the now snoring mystery guy. What could I have possibly done this time? This is that moment of horror that I'm sure we've all experienced at least once in our lives. When you wake up and roll over with a pounding alcohol-induced headache and try to recap the night, but most of it's blank and the shame of uncertainty begins to seep into your somewhat foggy memory. The dreaded line of self-questioning begins. You start checking off everything that happened the night before, hoping to connect the dots and put the night back together, just as I am now. I reached my hand down under the worn and torn tacky quilt and grabbed my dick. Yep, I'm naked. So I guess I had sex last night. I wish I could remember. I began to scan the room in hopes to find more clues about where I was, who this was, and what I did in last night's blacked out and obviously messy state of mind. I was in what looked like a trashy, tiny, cracker box sized dorm room. It seemed to be a very small one bedroom studio, and whoever this guy was, it didn't seem like cleaning or decorative taste was his forte. As I looked down, I realized I was in a twin-sized mattress that lied with no frame on the floor. There were no sheets on the mattress. The room smelled like sex and unwashed laundry. I looked to my left and I saw a dirty and dingy lawnmower stained with old dried grass along the wheels. And yes, it was inside the room. On the other side of the room, there was what looked like an elliptical from the 1980s that seemed to be used not for exercise, but instead as a place to drape all those dirty clothes that I think I was currently smelling. The dishes were piled up in the sink as if they hadn't been touched in months. And the trash? The trash can was overflowing with various takeout boxes lined with dry sauces and food particles, along with a full bag of trash tied up and lying next to it on the floor. However, I looked at him and realized that he was a very attractive and very sexy Hispanic guy with a beautiful body. 
I mean, at least there was one good thing that came out of this disgusting and misguided situation that I now found myself in. Too bad I can't remember anything. I continued to scan his near immaculate naked form. I suddenly looked over and noticed a cum-filled condom still attached to his enormous limp package. Okay, so I did have sex. That explains why my ass hurts. At that moment, I knew I had to quietly sneak out before this stranger that I had no recollection of interacting with at all whatsoever woke. Who needs that type of next morning awkward interaction anyway? I quietly stood up and walked over to my clothes, which were draped over a couch arm that clearly had been ripped to shreds on the base by the claws of a cat. Of course, this guy has a cat. That fits the aesthetic as well as the smell of this apartment perfectly. I quietly dressed myself keeping a close eye on trashy Sleeping Beauty, hoping that I could make it without waking him. I tiptoed towards the door, still keeping my eye over my shoulder. I turned the doorknob and I quietly exited the apartment, hoping never to see the terror that I viewed within ever again. Except for maybe the guy. With my luck, I was about to exit the building lobby into the streets in the part of town that had a filthy bum shooting up on one side of the door and a pile of human feces on the other. That certainly would explain the condition of this guy's apartment. I continued down the old rustic spiral staircase from the worn out insides of the building's interior with a nervous feeling building up in my stomach. If it was the tenderloin that I was about to open the door to, which, by the way, is the most ghetto area in San Francisco, then I would need to call a car and try my best to get out of there as quickly as possible. My bleached blonde hair, denim jacket, tight black skinny jeans, and white designer boat-style shoes were certain to stick me out of place in this slummy hood of San Francisco's pristine, drug-induced, homeless population. I slowly opened the door to the entrance of the building with hesitation. As I swung it open and the morning light blinded me once again, I looked around in total shock. I was in a super nice area not far from the Embarcadero known as the Financial District. This, by the way, for those that don't know, is the area in San Francisco that is closest to the piers. I was dumbfounded. I was so sure that by the condition of the no-name hot Hispanic guy's apartment that I had just knew that I was about to walk into the scariest parts of the hood. As I began my miserable and regret-filled gay walk of shame to my then Pacific Heights apartment, it was clear that with a dead phone in my hand and a missing wallet from the night before, that this, for sure, was, for me, rock bottom. This 
Little did I know. And while it was my first, would definitely not be my last gay walk of shame in San Francisco. Sidebar, I know what you might be thinking. And no, I have no fucking clue why the no-name hot Hispanic guy had a dirty old lawnmower in his apartment. What the fuck? This is my gay walk of shame on my Gay Expose podcast. Hey guys, this is my Gay Expose podcast, where we talk about gay sex, gay dating, gay culture, gay love, gay stereotypes, gay relationships, that infamous gay walk of shame, and anything else that might be considered um, gay? I'm your host, Ronnie Washburn, a writer and blogger based out of San Francisco, California, and I'm here exposing my gay on My Gay Expose Podcast. Disclaimer. The views expressed on My Gay Expose Podcast are not necessarily the opinions or views of the gay community as a whole. These are simply the opinions, experiences, and stories told by host Ronnie Washburn. Furthermore, this podcast is explicit, straightforward, and not for the faint of heart. And no topic is taboo, except for religion and politics. While all stories are real, most characters' names are changed to protect their identity. Unless you're a close friend to Ronnie, in which, that's what you signed up for, bitch. Hey guys, this is Ronnie Washburn, and welcome back to My Gay Expose Podcast. On this week's episode number three, Gay Walk of Shame. What is it? Why do I always say that phrase? What does it mean to me? Where did it come from? Why did I trademark it? Where is it going? And what you need to know about that gay walk of shame. We're also going to be talking about how we get to that gay walk of shame because I'm pretty sure we've all been there at some point in our lives. What are the cause and effects reasons for it? How do we get there? Why does it come to be? And how do we feel the next day when we're doing it. And then, at the end, I'm going to introduce a new segment to this week's episode called That Gay Walk of Shame, where I reveal, in that segment, one of my famous gay walks of shame. And this week, that story will be hands down my messiest and most bizarre gay walks of shame ever. But first, let's 
go with the segment that we created last week called Re-Exposé, where I clarify my previous exposés. Re-Exposé. Once again, this segment is called Re-Exposé, where I explain my previous exposés in past episodes. So first and foremost, I have to say that I am so overwhelmed with how many of you are like liking this. It's so exciting. It, it really makes me happy. I really honestly just did this to be creative and fun. And I am so overwhelmed with excitement when I see how many of you just email me and DM me and questions flying here and there. But it also makes me think that maybe I'm not making myself as clear as I think. It's all a learning process. So that being said, this week's re-exposés are a little bit more than the norm, but let me try to bust through them really quickly here. Uh, First, um, someone asked, or I'm sorry, somebody didn't ask, somebody told me kind of sternly that I had mentioned in the previous episode that Jacked, the sex app, was only popular in San Francisco and New York, which I don't think that's what I said exactly, but that's okay. But this person decided to make it very clear to me that it is also very popular in Columbus, Ohio. So thanks for that. Keeping me on my toes. Uh, I also noticed that I kind of tend to make up words as I go along. Like um, in the previous segment, I said that I was the hugest fan of Schitt's Creek. And I said rotatively. Somebody actually pointed that out to me as well. I actually looked the word up in Google. And you're right. There's no such word as rotatively. It just said like, did you mean rotate lively? Thank you for making me feel stupid. Much appreciated. Somebody else also asked me how I found out that Josh and Kevin from episode two were actually the opposite of top or bottom, like I had thought. And actually, um, a mutual friend like kind of explained it to me after the fact, and so that's how I found out. I didn't know at the time, but I later found out. Somebody that was friends with the both of them or knew both of them. And so that's how I found out. So I'm sorry I didn't make that more clear. Also, somebody tried to point out to me that the two articles, one being an article from like some kind of a doctor that was trying to explain to straight people why gays choose to be either top or bottom or what makes them top or bottom, and a bullshit bogus quiz Somebody asked, how are those statistics? Listen, I know that I said that I was going to give you some statistics, but the more I went through said statistics, the more I realized that all of it was bullshit. So then I just decided to make it fun. Sorry for trying to keep this shit entertaining. Also, I um, 
actually, just for the record, to whoever who this person is, I have my bachelor's degree. Thank you very much. So I think I know what the definition of statistics is. It's one of the only classes I got a B in, in comparison to the rest of my straight A's. I love how people try to point out all the things that you say wrong. It's like, you try this and see where we're at. Also, whoever it is that wants to point out that I didn't give correct statistics, God, you must be fun at a bar. That's all I have to say. Someone else asked um, that they didn't quite understand what I meant in the last episode about my uh, sexual position and what I identified as. Listen, I was trying... The whole, the whole point of bottom, top or bottom controversy was that I was trying to let you know what the gay community thinks about tops and bottoms, how we're supposed to view it, and my opinion on how we should evolve as sexual beings. That was the whole point. But if you must know, for most of my gay life, I was almost always a bottom. And I'm sorry that that was so confusing. But now, now sometimes I top. So that's why I choose not to put a label on it. I'd like to think that I'm an evolved member of gay society. When somebody else who is from San Francisco also tried to point out that they don't feel that my depiction on bottoms in San Francisco is accurate, meaning they don't feel like it's swimming in a sea of bottoms. Listen, I don't know what your experience is, but I know what mine is. And I have almost drowned in the sea of bottoms. So that's why I put the disclaimer in for reasons like this. And yes, I have a boyfriend. Someone asked me that too. He and I have been together for, we just celebrated our one year together. And yes, we're happy and we're flip-fucking and everything is amazing. If you must know. Oh, and then someone else felt necessary to ask me in the little story that I that I talked about in the last episode about how I was dating that guy that I was dating after my ex-husband and how I didn't sleep with him right away and why did I not sleep with him right away and how did I go months without knowing whether he was a top or bot? Listen, sometimes you want to bang and hook up. And sometimes you actually want to date. And you know, when you meet a good guy, you actually kind of don't want to ruin it with like sleeping with him for the first night. Right? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? He's actually, um, this guy in particular, his name's Brayden. And he's going to kill me for saying his real name. Um, And he's actually one of my best friends. We actually were able to transition from boyfriends to best friends. And that will also be covered in a later episode. And I love talking about him on my podcast and blogs because he hates it. And so that's what motivates me to do it. And that's it for this week's re-exposés. 
hope that was uh, explained a little bit better for you. Re-expose. So what do I mean by gay walk of shame? For many of you who don't know who I am, just let me fill you in briefly. And for those of you who do know who I am, sit tight for just a moment. In 2017, I created a blog called Gay Walk of Shame, and I was so proud of it. I dove into the world of writing and basically published a journal of all of my sexual conquests. Whether they be messy, whether they be deranged, whether they're hot, whether they're a joke. I felt that the general public should see that an attractive 30-something gay male has a lot of fun and has a lot of dysfunction. But that's what I wanted when I created the brand. That phrase, gay walk of shame. I wanted people to read the title and remember that moment where they walked down the street with the piercing bright morning sunrise, light shining, making that alcohol-induced headache pound even harder than it normally would if the light was gone. Walking home, not knowing where your wallet is, not knowing how you got to where you were, wanting so badly to crawl into your bed and forget everything that had happened the night before. Wondering how you had gotten into that situation the night before. Who were you with the night before? Who did you sleep with the night before? What the fuck happened the night before? That was what I wanted to exude in my Gay Walk of Shame blog. But it wasn't just the sex stories that I was interested in writing about. It was also our mindsets, where we are in our lives when we go and we have sex with these boys and we date these boys and what we're thinking and how insecure we are and how attracted to some people we are and the ins and outs of everything that makes the gay world end in a gay walk of shame. So that was the purpose, that was the reason, and that is what I had hoped to produce. Well, as I mentioned before, I did lock the Gay Walk of Shame blog down because for several reasons, I'm not going to mention those again, but that was the main purpose of this podcast, was to take the messy and sexy sexual stories and combine them with my A Gay in the Life of Ronnie blog, which, by the way, you can check out on RonnieWashburn.com. That's R-A-O-N-I Washburn.com. Links in both my Instagram accounts, A Gay in the Life of Ronnie, and Exposing My Gay. 
not to give myself a plug or anything, but if you want to check out that blog, it's a little less on the sexual side, a little more on the LGBTQ plus topic side. So I wanted to blend the two worlds together. That's the reason for this podcast. And I mean, when I originally published the blog, I mean, it was four years ago and I was starting to get serious gigs. And so I didn't want to have any part of that sexual explicit material because I wanted to get more jobs. Now I look back and I realize that I wasn't actually being true to myself. And that is why I decided to start this blog as well as begin my first book that will be coming soon titled Gay Walk of Shame where I take some of the most memorable stories from my previous blog and publish them in book form. And I'm so excited for that. Sidebar, um, the opening story that you heard, uh, those are the first couple of paragraphs of chapter one. I'm really excited for you to hear it, and I can't wait for it to be in the world once again and actually written well this time. But how do we get to that place where we we get into these situations where we're on our gay walk of shame home? Well, in big cities such as San Francisco, drinking in the gay community is a total thing. To be honest with you, I think drinking in San Francisco is just a thing, period. I don't think it has anything to do with gay or straight, but it's a big thing. So naturally, especially when you live in the heart of the Castro, literally two blocks away from all the bars and clubs, it's easy for you to go out with friends, drink your face off, feel buzzed and ready to mingle. And some nights you end up going home with a guy. And some nights you're dangling your head over your toilet And those famous words replay in your head, I am never drinking again, as you vomit profusely in the toilet. And then, the next day, you're taking shots with the same people who were holding your hair and your pants back while you were vomiting the night before. So why do we do this to ourselves in big cities? For me, my personal insecurities that I struggle with have been a huge factor in my confidence while dating and sleeping with other guys. I mean, sure, I'm an attractive guy, but growing up as a little closeted gay boy, it took its toll. And I found myself so insecure. The older I got, the more attractive I got, the more fit I got, the more insecure I got. And then when you live in a gay city like San Francisco and everyone's hot, it's pretty intimidating. But you make your way. For me, getting a grinder hookup was much easier to handle when you took a couple of shots of vodka on your way out the door. So much easier to, like, get into the groove of things and not be shy or nervous or upset. And as time passes, you sort of 
understand that that's a thing. And that's what you need to get yourself through. So when you go out to bars and you get drunk, one of two things happens. Either you meet a guy and you end up going home with him or he comes home with you. Or you get so drunk that you find yourself on Grinder looking for your next conquest to end the night. And the next thing you know, you're waking up on that twin mattress that's on the floor with no sheets and a snoring, hot-bodied Hispanic guy with no name next to you with a cum-filled condom. <sighs> yeah, so that's it. You know, we really just fall into that that stereotype that unfortunately the gays have where we go out and drink to socialize. I mean, to be honest with you, in San Francisco, with the nightlife, it's really all there is to do. Or maybe that's all I want to do. But there's nothing better than a sloppy drunk night of sex. When in your mind you think you're fucking like a porn star. But once you get the video footage back, you realize that you were far, far from a porn star. In fact, you're horrified at the footage that you've received. It's even worse when you actually find it, like when you're like searching for porn to jerk off to and then suddenly you end up popping up. That may or may not have happened to me once or twice. And that will be covered in a later episode. But that being said, speaking of which, I'm very excited to introduce my latest segment in which I'm going to try to do this, I think, every week as much as I possibly can, but we'll see how things kind of go with it. But I'm calling this segment My Gay Walk of Shame, where I reveal one of my iconic stories of messy, drunk San Francisco life. Let's take it away. This is My Gay Walk of Shame, here on My Gay Expose Podcast. It was my first Dory Alley ever. Well, at least my first Dory Alley living in San Francisco. I was excited. My two best friends didn't want to go. Let's just say the leather scene wasn't their thing. Of course, my roommate, as usual, was always up for a good time. We ended up going to, over to one of his friend's house and doing several lines of, uh, well, you just figure it out. You have to remember I have a son. and I don't necessarily want to talk about those things yet. Although, once my book comes out, it's all out on the table, so I might as well just spill it. Nonetheless, we started there and we headed towards the festival. Sidebar, for those who don't know, a Dory Alley is basically the same thing in San Francisco as a Folsom Street Fair. And for those that don't know what Folsom Street Fair is, it's basically like the biggest leather scene festival 
pretty much on the planet. But Dory Alley had the reputation of being the dirtier version of Folsom Street Fair. Yeah, there was the leather and, you know, everybody was wearing the leather. But in that particular alley, there were things going on that your mother would never want to see. I was intrigued. Unfortunately, according to my peers who have lived in San Francisco for far too long, it turns out that Dory Alley had become much more commercial, just like Folsom. And it was now a bigger and basically exactly the same thing as Folsom. But I was still excited. I got my next to nothing leather outfit ready to go. Sidebar, I'll post those photos on Instagram shortly after this episode airs. Keep your eyes out for that. At Exposing My Gay. My outfit was so small, in fact, that I, the drunker we got and the more high we got, I found myself handing off my wallet and my phone to my roommate, thinking that because he was a little bit more clothed than I and he had pockets, perhaps he could hang on to those things. We met up with a couple of friends, and the next thing we knew, suddenly they were nowhere to be found. My roommate, however, knew exactly where the one friend would be. In San Francisco, we have this bar called the Powerhouse. The Powerhouse had a reputation of the back room. You know what the back room means. It's nothing like, uh, what's that show? Oh God, what's that show? The show that was made in like the late 90s. Uh, queer as folk. Sorry, I couldn't remember. It was nothing like that. It wasn't like as elaborate as that. There weren't like actual rooms meant for that or anything like that. And I think technically that back porch area was supposed to be like a smoking area. But there was a lot more going on in that area. That's where everybody got it on. And everyone knew that that was the area to basically do whatever you wanted sexually with lots of people watching nearby. God, there are plenty of times that I've seen so much crazy stuff in that back alley. Sidebar, it, I used to work with this guy at this restaurant a couple of years ago, and he was, well, he is straight. And it's funny because his girlfriend actually was a hairdresser, so all of her friends were gay. And so since they had just moved here from New York, he didn't have very many friends yet. And so as he and I worked together very closely all the time, he frequented the gay bars and would update me on our shifts on all his fun. Well, I remember this one day he came in and he was like, oh my God, you know that place Powerhouse? Of course I do. He's like, I went into the back to smoke and I cannot unsee what I saw. His eyes were as so big, they were about to bulge out of his head when he told me that story. I'll never forget it. And for me, I was just like, oh, yeah, well, there's that. All in a day. 
Anyways, back to the story. So my roommate knew that my friend at this festival would be at that bar as it was one of his favorite places to go. Well, I knew the powerhouse had the reputation for having that back room where anything goes, but what I didn't know was that in a festival such as Dory Alley, that just meant that the entire bar was anything goes. As we walked in, I, in my drunken stupor, followed my roommate trying to see if we could find our friend. And my arm was grabbed and I was pulled into this huge group of guys that all had their dicks out. Of course, I just like went in for the kill. I was sucking dick after dick after dick after dick and oh, I was having the time of my life. A few hours went by and I realized it's probably time for another drink. But as I stated, my roommate had my phone and wallet. I walked around the bar, guys gawking at me along the way, and tried to find my roommate, but he was nowhere to be found. And the bar is not very big. As I walked around over and over in my drunken stupor, I still couldn't find him. Where did he go? I later found out that while I was sucking cock, my roommate was trying to buy he and his friend who he had found a few drinks. But for some reason, the bartender was refusing him and he went to the second bartender to get drinks. As this happened repetitively a few times, my roommate began to get pissed off and finally after the third round, he went to his friend and said, Hey, listen, this guy won't serve me and I don't know why. Do me a favor. Go to that bartender and order us a round of drinks. And so he did. And that bartender served the friend. Enraged by the sight of the bartender serving the friend, my roommate put his thumb over his Bud Light bottle, walked to the bar, shook it with his thumb over the top, called for the bartender, and as he turned, he sprayed the entire beer bottle over him, and the next thing he knew, he was physically being escorted out of the bar. Side note, he's going to kill me for saying this, but he's actually been banned for life from that bar. Meanwhile, I was still enjoying dick after dick after dick, and I was having the time of my life totally unaware of what was happening with my roommate. So when I couldn't find him and started looking for him, as mentioned before, I looked over and I saw my roommate's friend. I went over and asked him where he was. He said he didn't know, but he was just as fucked up as I was. And it was just not a conversation that was like being understood by either party. What am I going to do? How am I going to get home? I don't have a wallet. I don't have a phone. I can't call an Uber. I can't take the bus. I can't call a taxi. And the bar, the bar was way, way far away from my house. It's at least a six mile walk. Don't quote me on that, but it's something like that. It was a long ways. 
So what else was I going to do? I began to indulge in more group dick sucking. And as time passed, I started getting a little bit more intense with the group sucking, if you can use your imagination. The next thing I knew, I was surrounded by dicks all around me. My outfit was a backwards Nasty Pig ball cap. That's right, Nasty Pig. Sponsorship, please. I'm down. A leather vest. A leather thong. That's right, I said a leather thong. And leather boots. And that's it. Hence the reason why my roommate was holding my wallet and phone. As I sucked three dicks at a time, I felt the back button of my leather thong being unlatched and my thong dropped to the floor. I basically had nothing but a vest on at this point and I began to get fingered. As time went on and the alcohol began to fade and the crowd began to part as the bar was closing and kicking everyone out, I realized, oh my God, my leather thong is gone. It's nowhere to be found. What do I do? How do I get home? I have no phone. I have no wallet. I have no clothes on. It was at that moment that I realized that I was going to be doing my first naked gay walk of shame. And it was not going to be a short walk by any means. I sat there in panic for about 15 minutes or so, freaking out, not knowing what to do. And then one of the guys that I had so happened to be sucking off early in my presence at the bar came up to me and asked why I looked so distraught. After explaining, he pointed out my leather thong, which, by the way, had gone so far away from me, I don't even know how it got that far away from me. But it was there nonetheless. Thank God. The guy was nice enough to buy me a ticket back on the subway, and I was able to get home. And of course I repaid him, handsomely. By finishing off that blowjob that I began at the bar. Long story short, my roommate came home hours later, wasted. And that's how I found out about him getting kicked out of the club and putting me in a situation where I thought that I was going to have to walk home naked. Can you imagine? Has anyone else ever had to do anything like that before? That is why my PSA is to watch your alcohol and drug consumption while at festivals, because you never know when you're going to have to do that gay walk of shame. And on that note, we'll see you next time. Have a great day.
Hey guys, thanks for joining me exposing my gay here on My Gay Expose Podcast. If you like what I expose on today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Um, if you listen to me on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, or the newly developed Amazon Music slash podcast format, uh, just hit the follow button. My Gay Expose podcast is also available on Anchor as well as any and all other podcast formats. Do you have any questions, comments, things you want me to talk about? Please email me at mygayexpose at gmail.com. That's mygayexpose at gmail.com. And for more on my work, including my blog, A Gay in the Life of Ronnie, please take a look at my website at www.ronniewashburn.com. That's R-A-O-N-I washburn.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook at My Gay Expose Podcast, Twitter at My Gay Expose, and Instagram at Exposing My Gay. And uh, by the way, Don't forget to join us next time for another messy, salacious, and relatable episode with me, Ronnie Washburn, exposing my gay, here on My Gay Expose Podcast. And I'll see you next time.